QTS 008 being recorded at exactly 8 p.m. on the 22nd of January in the year 2024. The weather. What's the weather doing? It's cold still. Not as cold as it has been for the past couple of days. It's warmed up a bit. We're looking at a temperature of 33 degrees Fahrenheit, which is zero degrees Celsius. No precipitation. I look out the window, I've got the lights dimmed. A few people still have Christmas lights up. They look pretty. Even this late in the year, I'm kind of glad that they're there. Making the night look nicer than it would without them. Street lights are on. Casting their light on snow. The night looks peaceful. And I've got some things on my mind. So I will talk about them. Today's podcast is going to be picking up, I think, on some of the things that I spoke about. Not some of the things, one of the things that I mentioned in the previous episode, episode number 007. On that episode, I talked about the album Consumed in Key, which was a collaboration between the musician Plastic Man, who I had been familiar with, and a guy named Chili Gonzalez, who I had not been familiar with until I heard the album Consumed in Key. I was listening to that. I was listening to that album quite a lot and really, really liking it. And when I woke up this morning, I took my kids to school, drove back, and as I was driving back, when I was actually driving, there's a, like a drop-off line of cars. So I'm sitting in the car. I'm not driving the car. The car's in park. Don't worry. And I decided to see what would happen if I searched Chili Gonzalez on the Apple Podcast app. So I did that. And I discovered that Mr. Chili Gonzalez has been on a number of podcasts. I thought, okay, I'll give one of these a listen. I picked the one at the top of the list, which was this podcast called Pondercast. And it was an interview with Chili Gonzalez. And after I dropped my kids off, I didn't think they'd really be that interested in this interview. So I didn't expose them to it. And also, you never know. I mean, there's, it's risky when you have young children to start playing something that you're unfamiliar with, because sometimes there's language that you don't necessarily want your children to hear, you know? So I tend to try to play it safe the majority of the time. 
not 100%, but the majority of the time, and preview the things that I will listen to within their earshot. And I hadn't done that for this podcast. So I didn't play it when they were in the car, but I dropped them off and then I was like, okay, let's give this a listen. So I gave it a listen. Very, very, very interesting interview. I liked listening to it. I might listen to it one more time because I think there was a lot in it and I want to sufficiently absorb all of the things that were in this interview. I found that there were things that when I heard them, I thought, I'm not so sure about that. It seems a little bit off to me. There was things that I heard that I thought, yes, yes, yes. That, that seems very remarkably accurate slash true to me and my experience. And that's maybe what made it so interesting is that it wasn't all yes and it wasn't all no. It was yes and no and maybe all together in one interview. Very, very interesting to listen to. So anyways, I'm not going to tell you all of the things that were in this, but I am going to talk about one of the concepts that came up in this interview that I liked a lot. I thought, yeah, yeah, that's a good concept. I dig that. The concept was termed benevolent pressure. Here's what I remember Chili Gonzalez saying about this. He has a music school that he runs in Germany, I believe. I think he calls it the uh, Gonzorvatory or something like that. Not 100% sure about this. If you look up his Wikipedia page, I bet you the information will be there. He talked about the way that he works with musicians there. And one of the things that he does is he tries to apply this thing that he calls benevolent pressure. It's benevolent because it's not pressure which is designed to be agonizing or mean or punitive in any way, but it is pressure. He tries to make them make something and he tries to get them to make something under a certain series of constraints. One of those constraints is time. He, they don't, he doesn't give them a lot of time to make something and he expects them to make a lot of things. He's like, you know, make essentially a pretty decent amount of stuff, but you don't have a whole lot of time to make it. And he thinks that doing this produces the conditions where the musicians will kind of get out of one mode of creating things, the mode where they are very, very concerned about what they're making being very, very, very perfect, very just so, exactly like this, which is a problem sometimes. There's a time and place for that where you really want what you're making to be a very specific thing. You know what that specific thing is and you're willing to put the time and the energy and the effort and the attention into it to make it that thing that you have kind of imagined, I guess, that you have in your mind's eye or in the case of audio in your mind's ear, you you know, and you're going to go for that. Okay, sure. There's those times, but if that is the mode that you're operating in all of the time, or maybe not even all of the time, the majority of the time, what ends up happening is a lot of trying to make things, but not actually finishing anything. You don't actually make anything. You have a lot of attempts 
but no finished some things. You, you keep going at it and keep on going at it and keep on going at it and whatever it is that you make, it fails to live up to your expectations. And so what do you do? You scrap it and you try again. Uh, this might be useful to engage in this exercise from time to time. I don't want to say that people should never work that way because I think that would be wrong. Sometimes people should work this way. There's a reason to work this way. But if that's the only way you work, or again, if it's the way that you work the vast majority of the time, I think what's going to happen is you're not going to actually make anything. You're not going to put anything out into the world. You're not going to act. You're not going to speak you're not going to produce. You're just going to be frustrated. And this concept of benevolent pressure, the conditions where people, musicians in this case, were told, you got to make this and you got to make a certain number of tracks or you got to make a certain number of versions of a track and you got to do it really fast. Go. Boom, boom, boom. That this gets people out of that zone. And they start taking risks. They start trying things. They start making stuff. And through the process of making things, inevitably they make mistakes. Inevitably, some of the things that they make are not things that they think are awesome and wonderful and that they'd be super proud to show to everybody in, in the world or something to that effect. But by the end of it, they know more things than they did at the beginning. They know more about their craft. They, more, they may, if things go well, know more about themselves, their process, what they like and don't like, so on and so forth. And this is really valuable. This is a valuable thing. Which leads me to the second point that came up in this interview that really stuck with me. Chili Gonzalez has made a lot of things and he continues to make a lot of things. And he talked about his reason, what he thinks is his reason anyways, for making the stuff that he makes. His claim was that artists make art in whatever form they make it because they want to know something about themselves. They want to experience something that teaches them something about their own subjective experience. When he said that, he didn't say it exactly that way. I'm not quoting him. That's my summation of what he said. But when he said the things that led to me summing it up in that way, I thought, I think that's right. That was one of the things that I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. When I heard it, that's what I thought. Got me thinking about this podcast, the one that you're listening to right now. I'm making this thing. I think I'm making it under some benevolent pressure type conditions here. These are conditions that I set up for myself. I didn't need an external entity or person or institution to create them. I made them. I wanted to make a podcast. I wanted to make it somewhat daily-ish. I knew I wouldn't do it every single day because I have a life that doesn't allow for that, and that's fine. I wanted to do it more days, I suppose, than I didn't. I didn't want to get overly obsessed with the production of the podcast because that is something that I, that's a mistake that I've made. 
with my other podcasts. I cannot tell you with the podcast SWK6521, one of the other podcasts that I do, where I recorded these lectures that I used in a class. I cannot tell you how many takes I did to come up with that series of lectures. There was a very large, very stupid amount of them. I would hit record. I would have my notes. I would start talking, blah, blah, blah. I would say something. It wouldn't be quite right. Or I'd make some kind of an error and I'd get frustrated and I'd hit stop. And I'd go, instead of trying to edit it out later, I would just pick it up from the top and I would do another take and then I'd make a different mistake and repeat. I just did this a lot. And a lot of times I would do this. I mean, I would do so many takes and by a certain point I was just like mad. I was frustrated. I was like, what? This sucks. I don't want to do this. I stopped doing it. It was not fun. I ended up with something by the end of it. And a lot of the lectures that I put out, I mean, I put them out because I needed to have something out for the class that I was teaching, but I wasn't, I didn't think that they were awful, but I didn't think they were great either. I thought they were like, you know, fair to middling. I thought they were okay-ish and that's all they needed to be. So that was fine. But I, I was so, I don't know, stuck on what I thought they could be or what I wanted them to be that it took me just so long to make them. I didn't want to do that with this podcast with QTS, quotidian things and stuff. Nope. On this podcast, I wanted to sit down grab the mic, have a couple of things on my mind having to do with the experience of my everyday life and to say something about them and put it out there and see what happens. And that's what I'm doing. And I am, in fact, discovering that I am figuring out things that I don't think I would figure out about the way I want this to sound, I had an idea at the beginning. I wasn't, it was an, I just an idea though. I wasn't too fixated on it. I thought this would be good if it sounded like this. I had this idea. It doesn't sound exactly like the way I thought it would in my mind's ear. It sounds different, but that's okay. Sometimes it sounds more like it. Sometimes it sounds less. And I'm good with that. I'm figuring out things by talking about them. And I think that this is interesting for me to do this reminds me a lot of other art forms that I like that I think work this way. Professional wrestling. I'm a big professional wrestling fan. The WWE, which is the biggest wrestling promotion in the world. They do at least two live shows every single week, 52 weeks a year. If they have a premium live event, also called a pay-per-view sometimes, then they have more than that. Sometimes they have some weeks where they'll be doing three shows in a week. That's a lot of shows. One of their shows, Monday Night Raw, is a three-hour show. It's three hours of television they're filling. The other one is shorter, Friday Night Smackdown. I don't know exactly how long that one is, but it's not a full three hours. Uh, And then they have their premium live events, which oftentimes are several hours long as well. That's a lot of hours of television. And the people who make this show, the performers, the wrestlers, and all the other people who go into making it look the way that it looks, the cameramen and women and the trainers and the people who make the graphics and all the announcers, they're working a lot 
That's a lot of work that they're doing every single week and they put stuff out. And if you watch professional wrestling, one of the joys of watching professional wrestling for me is that you see people making mistakes when people cut a promo, which is where a wrestler goes to the ring and they just talk, they don't wrestle. They just grab a microphone and they, they speak their mind about a thing. It might be another wrestler. It might be something that's happened. It might be a match that's coming up. It could be the management of the company uh, they just talk and sometimes they screw up and you know what they do? They don't get another take. They just got to keep going. I remember once Damien Priest had a just train wreck of a sentence. He was trying to say something and it just like came out as garbly gook. And he turns to Finn Balor, one of the wrestlers who's in the same faction as him. And he, he, the person who he was talking to was this other wrestler, Edge, Adam Copeland. And as he was talking to Edge, he had this verbal train wreck and he, he couldn't recover. He tried to recover and it just got more train wrecky. So priest turns to Finn and he says, this guy makes me so mad. I can't even talk. And then he tried again and he got it. He got it out. What he was trying to say, that kind of thing happens a bunch in wrestling and the wrestlers just got to roll on because there's no second takes. Then with the physical stuff, it's the same. I mean, like they're doing these matches and they got to just, sometimes these are human bodies doing crazy stuff at speed. Sometimes things don't go the way that you think and people got to adjust on the fly. You just got to keep telling your story and that's what they do. I love this about professional wrestling. Godzilla movies. I really like Godzilla movies. Godzilla movies are super cool to me. I liked them when I was a kid and I like them now as an adult. And part of the thing that I like about them is that they are things that are made, I think kind of quickly and sort of on the cheap. And the stories are oftentimes ridiculous, but they're fun. I like them. So I don't know. Maybe there's something about that. Maybe those are things, those two things, professional wrestling and Godzilla movies, things made under benevolent pressure so that people could figure out something that they wanted to say. I think that wrestling, the, the, the wrestlers, the stories they're telling in the ring and, and outside of the ring, these stories have a point. They have a purpose. The wrestlers want to say something. The people telling the writers, there are writers for professional wrestling. The writers want to tell a story. They, they just keep on going. Sometimes you have a show one week. That's not that great. That's okay. You got a show again, coming up pretty damn soon. Maybe you'll get a better one then. Hopefully you will. Godzilla movies. These are movies that say, I think things about what we fear, um, about, <clears throat> You know, some of the plots of Godzilla movies, in case people don't know, are there's there's a nuclear test, and because we are testing nuclear weapons, there's these unforeseen consequences. And what are some of those unforeseen consequences? Godzilla. There's a message in these movies. It's like, hey, you know what? Before you go messing with stuff, maybe you want to hold off a bit because you don't know what's going to happen when you do that. You don't know. Something really bad could happen. Are you sure that nothing really bad will happen? That That's the idea here. There's there's a point to these stories. And if people were trying to make like the perfect monster movie, if people were, if wrestlers were trying to make the perfect wrestling match every single time they went out to wrestle, if the wrestling promotion was trying to make the perfect wrestling show, the perfect match slash hour of television, uh, they would... They wouldn't be able to make stuff. Nothing would get done. Nothing would get made. And then we would have less professional wrestling and less Godzilla movies in the world, yeah? Even 
Jacques Lacan, the great psychoanalyst. You read his seminar. What do you see? You see a guy who would go out every week and he would try to work out something about psychoanalysis. He had thought about it beforehand. I mean, he was not an idiot. He was not just going out there and saying any old damn thing by any stretch of the imagination. No, that's not what he was doing. But at the same time, he goes off on tangents. He goes down these cul-de-sacs. He he brings things up and develops them and says he's going to talk about them a, a little bit more next time. Then he never talks about them again. You know, he's it's it's so far from perfect, so far from perfect because he's figuring something out through making his seminar, through conducting his seminar, through speaking, through acting. I think there's something in this. So, anyways. This has been a long episode of this particular little podcast I make, or at least it seems like it has. We're at about 20 minutes, and I think I've said enough things, and it is time for me to say good night. You might not be listening to this at night, but I'm recording it at night. So good night for me, perhaps good evening or good morning or some other time of the day for you. Whatever you're doing as you listen to this, I hope you're having a good time. I hope I've given you something to think about. If I haven't, then uh, I don't know why you're listening to this, but I'm glad you did. Thanks for doing that. Thanks for taking the time. This podcast and all the other podcasts that I make, they are created through this thing called Surplus Jouissance Projects. You can learn more by going to surplusjouissance.com. That's S-U-R-P-L-U-S-J-O-U-I-S-S-A-N-C-E.com. When you're there... You will see various posts of things and stuff that I'm thinking about. And you will also see that you can sign up for a free email newsletter that goes out weekly-ish. And if you're feeling extra generous, if you really like what I'm doing here, you could offer me some support in the form of a monthly or yearly donation. There's two options, monthly $7 or $12.00 yearly $50 or $100. Any support I get, I appreciate it. helps offset the cost that goes into making these things. And on that note, I'm actually done. Thank you for listening. Make your glorious mistakes. Don't let that man keep you down. Don't do it. Damn the demand. Save the desire. Blah, 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 blah. Take care.